listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Nathan here. We are continuing a series, a Bible study series that we began last week uh, entitled Your Next Level. And the goal of the series was to give us a good foundation of knowledge to pursue the next spiritual breakthrough in our lives, to to be discontent, as it were, uh, with our current spiritual uh, place, not in the sense of being angry at God um, or impatient, but at the sense of, in the sense of moving us out of the ease that we so easily fall into. Um, I know this isn't just me. I know it's it's all of us. It's so easy for us to become comfortable, so easy for us to be, uh, to use biblical language, at ease in Zion uh, without any real motivation, without any real spiritual focus, without any unction uh, motivating us and stirring us out of lethargy uh, and the like. And we all of us need that. We church people call this revival. Whenever we are shaken out of our comfort zones, whenever we are bestirred from our uh, lazy places and we go back to the calling, back to the mission, uh, we experience this as, as revival. And we oftentimes speak of it one to another in the terms of um, moving to the next spiritual uh, level. Um, that, to be completely uh, fair, that probably isn't the right or the best language to use, but we know what we mean by it. Um, it's probably somewhat unhelpful for us to think in terms of uh, being on a higher or a lower level, um, but we know what we mean by it, and so uh, we'll use it uh, in the manner in which we, we do uh, to describe this pursuit of, of the spiritual. Last week, I started uh, lesson one with three, three things that were necessary places of beginning uh, if you are pursuing your next spiritual conquest, your next season of spiritual uh, fruitfulness. And it is the will of the Lord that we all of us be fruitful. We're going to be uh, judged, as it were, on that fruitfulness. It's not enough for us to be faithful. I know um, you can pick one or two scriptures and just quote those <laughs> and say that's enough. And uh, we know what we mean by that, but we can't forget those scriptures that also challenge us to fruitfulness. Uh, so we, we, we want to be more than just faithful. We want to be faithful. That's a good, that's a, that is a necessary thing. Without, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And you can't really claim the role of a steward if you're not faithful to the one you serve. We get that. Um, but uh, there's also a fruitfulness that is in the will of the Lord for, for us. Deuteronomy 1 and 11, I'm going to read uh, NASB uh, translation. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, increase you a thousandfold, increase you a thousandfold more than you are, and bless you just as he promised you. I love that scripture. Um, we have a obligation of sorts uh, to become spiritually, not just to receive spiritually, but to, to become spiritually. Um, 
Genesis 1 and 28, you will remember this scripture. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon upon the earth. Um, we want to move forward in God. Three things we talked about last week. Uh, first was uh, the necessity of spiritual disciplines. Uh, if you are not pursuing out of spiritual disciplines, in other words, if you're trying to be spiritual without spiritual uh, foundations and spiritual disciplines, um, you may have you may have the gift of faith. I, I, I believe that. Uh, I believe that there are some people that are inclined by dent of their personality. They are inclined toward um, spiritual expectancy. I believe that is a gift, and the New Testament talks about that. Um, however, if you do not, if you do not have, along with that gift, um, spiritual foundations, you will be quite like, uh, say, a, um, a high school athlete who has plenty of talent but won't work hard, and they cannot get to the next level where people are required to both have talent and work hard. Many, many anointings, in, in, at least from my perspective, many, many anointings are lost or wasted would be a better way to say uh, because the people, uh, they have a gift, but they won't work hard. Um, so we must have spiritual foundations in our life. We must have spiritual disciplines in our life. If we think the next level will happen um, without that, what we really are doing is experiencing a type of religious emotionalism or a religious enthusiasm um, without the disciplines that make it um, have longevity, shall we say, have effectiveness. Uh, we don't want to do that. It is, it is a temptation, uh, particularly, I think, among us uh, apostolic types. Um, we can err on the side of thinking feeling is the same thing as becoming. Did you, did you catch that? I, I want to say it again for me. Um, we can fall into the habit of thinking that feeling the presence of God is the same thing as becoming something useful in the hand of God. It's not, not exactly the, sa the same thing. In fact, biblically, you will find most often people are doing the, they're having the most progress in becoming when they actually are feeling the least. It's Elijah in the cave. It's Moses in the wilderness. It's Joseph in the dungeon. They're becoming. They're not feeling. So the first thing that we talked about and we need to place in our, 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 our knowledge of, of, of these subjects and these issues, we need to really integrate this into our, our relationship with God is spiritual disciplines are the soil out of which your next level will grow. The second thing was spiritual connections. And this is to see both the presence of God in our life and the placing of God of us in a world. So we perceive his presence and we perceive our place. God has placed you. So you have to have this vertical connection and you have to have this horizontal connection. You have to have a heart to feel and eyes to see. Um, this is necessary for your next spiritual level. The third thing we talked about after, so first it was a spiritual disciplines. Second was spiritual connection. 
And third was spiritual confidence. And this is more than a moment of kind of tent revival faith. Um, it's, uh, it's one thing to be caught up in a, a, a faith-filled atmosphere. You know, the, the preacher's right, the, the, the choir's right, the organ's right, the drummer's right, <laughs> the bass line's right, your neighbors on both sides are bumping appropriately. <laughs> you, you get the idea. And now you're going to have tent revival faith. Nothing wrong with that. I need that. You need that, you see. Um, but that's not the same thing as spiritual confidence. Um, that's a moment. That's an experience. Uh, spiritual confidence is like back to Elijah. You pray and you don't see a cloud. And so what do you do? Well, you feel sorry for yourself, complain about why you didn't get a chance to go to the right Bible school, why no one gave you a chance. That's what you do when you don't see the cloud. No, that's not what you do. Uh, what you do is say, go again. Spiritual confidence. Is there a cloud? No, there's not a cloud. And now you're wondering, man, if I had an organ, this would feel better. If I had a preacher, this would feel better. If I had my neighbors and they were, you know, bopping in Jesus' name on each side of me, this would feel better. Um, and, you know, but since I don't have that, I'll complain how I didn't have the right parents or complain I didn't have the right last name. Or You get the idea. No, no, no. Spiritual confidence is different than a moment of kind of being... Um, <laughs> carried along by a current of religious enthusiasm and revival momentum. No, no, confidence is, I think, much more a relative to the quiet voice after the storm where you say, go again, go again, go again. Then you see a cloud, you claim it, you believe it, and you run ahead of the doubter, you see. Um, this is this is confidence. So three things that were foundational we talked about. Spiritual disciplines, um, spiritual connection, both vertically and horizontally, and finally, uh, spiritual confidence. Today I want to uh, spend a little bit of time exploring this, this the next step, the next step further. Uh, how in the scripture do we see people being challenged to take that next step? Um, the most common thing you will see is God giving a dream. God giving a dream. Now, the use of the language in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, um, if you look at translation, um, the dream could also be what we would think of as a vision or a waking dream. Uh, it can be something God has placed in your heart. It can be something that happens in your sleep, of course. That's easy to understand. That's very common. Um, but it can also be the waking dream, the vision that God has placed within your heart where you want something for God. You want something for his kingdom. You want something uh, for uh, the mission. Um, you want something for yourself. Uh, this is, this is it's, you can see it either way, but God gives an individual uh, a dream. We must have a dream. We must have something calling us, pulling us. Uh, something that gets us out of lethargy, something, something that will not let us be at ease in Zion. That dream um, is necessary. Uh, without a dream, uh, the people perish. Um, if people cannot see, um, if, that, that may not be the best verb, seeing, because we see in faith. So let me try to say it slightly different. If people do not have a sense that God is working uh, they will spiritually suffer and ultimately spiritually perish. They have to have a sense of God working uh, somehow. Um, they, they, they need that. 
Um, this is, of course, written in the Old Testament, and they at that time do not have the same benefits we have of Emmanuel, God with us, uh, the presence of God in our lives. Um, that is, of course, um, for them, but it's given to us spiritually. Uh, for them, it's a moment in time and true, and for us, it is a moment in our time and true. The, the theme, the principle reaches Old Testament to New Testament. Uh, we do, however, have the advantage of having received that gift that even the angels wish to look into. Um, and so we, we honestly uh, should be much more aware, uh, particularly if you, are, if you are growing in your faith and you have, ref- you, you have the sense of God's Spirit working in your life. Your heart is now the hosting place of the presence of God. Um, it should be easier for us to have a sense of how God is God is working. Uh, the dream, this image spiritually of, of something within us that God uses to, uh, to, to motivate us, to call us. Um, there are many, many places in the scripture where this is shown. Uh, let me pick two. Uh, the first, of course, is the famous moment of, of or, or really season of Joseph's life, where as a young man, he has dreams. Um, and he perceives them as you know, being about him, he he offends his brethren, um, and you guys know the story. He's sold into Egypt. Uh, later, let me show you another dream because I want to show you. Uh, I want you to perceive something. Um, think think of Hezekiah, who he has heard that the the city of God is broken down, and the walls are torn down, and the gates are are, are laying flat on the. Uh, you know, the the entrance to the city is wide open. And this, this breaks his heart, this moves him, and, and he has a dream um, that it's not the same manner of a sleeping dream, it's almost more of a, a waking dream. He has this desire to be used of God to rebuild that city. Um, to, he, he has, it's the same idea. Now, he does not perceive this as being about him. And so when he goes uh, to follow this dream that God has given him, um, he is able to lead people, he's able to organize people, and ultimately he's able to accomplish the task without going into his own season of becoming. He, he's, he's more at a stage where he's an effective leader, he's ready. Notice Joseph, when he has a dream, he perceives it about being his place, and he's not, he's not wrong, but there are limits to the dream God gives you for you. Um, and what's going to happen to Joseph in prison? He's going to realize that the Lord hasn't done it for the sake of exalting him over his brethren. The Lord has done it for the <laughs> purpose of saving his brethren. This is, uh, I, I think, is so beautiful because so often in our immaturity, we perceive the dream as what we want. You know, I'm going to have a, I'm going to be a celebrity preacher. I'm going to have my own private jet. I'm going to have a church in Beverly Hills, Miami. You get the idea. And I'm going to preach this one at this time, and the jet's going to fly me. I'm dreaming about me, you see. And then you go through the season where breaking, your own wife doesn't want to hear your ideas. You're like, I got a message, and she rolls her eyes. <laughs> uh, you learn that there's a limits to the dreams of self. Uh, instead, you are awakened to the fact that the Lord will crush the self. But the dreams still come. They're just different dreams. They're not about self. They're dreams about mission. They're dreams about calling. And you say within your heart, the city of God is broken down. What can I do? What can I do? I'm, really, I'm willing to risk me and able to pursue 
the dream. So this is, I think, helpful. Uh, dreams come to us, and I believe as you progress to your next spiritual level, there will be some sense of the dream and the vision, something within you calling you, something in you wooing you. Um, and this will emerge out of the things that I, I referred to last week's uh, spiritual disciplines, spiritual connection, um, and uh, finally spiritual confidence. And out of that healthy soil, uh, this, this, this type of a spiritual dream will emerge. And you will feel within yourself a, uh, a goading in the spirit, uh, a, a pushing in the spirit for you to, to pursue uh, the dream that God has given you. That's, that is a consistent image across uh, the story uh, of Holy Scripture. Uh, the second thing that you need to think of, so first is dream, okay? The second thing you need to remember and think about is pruning so if, the, if number one is dreaming, number two is pruning. John 15, verse number two, I'm the true vine. He that cuts off every branch in me bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. This, if, if first was the dream or dreaming, secondly is pruning. Because you will see God do this with every vessel he chooses to honor his work, his call. Um, you will see God do this with, with everyone that he anoints. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know of a way to get around this. And I think if you tried to get around this, you would destroy yourself. Because that which would have been a gift when handled correctly becomes spiritual death when handled incorrectly. Remember the ark. Um, so if we try to get around the pruning of the Lord, um, I, I think it's as though we touch the ark of God. We handle, we handle sacred things in um, abominable ways, and uh, it kills us. It kills us spiritually. So the pruning of the Lord is a necessary, a necessary function and spiritual purpose, calling, what have you, uh, there's got to be a better way to say that. Uh, the, the pruning of the Lord is a necessary spiritual function as you progress toward that which God has called you to do. And if you fail in that, um, your, your ability to pursue a dream and accomplish a mission will be uh, almost impossible. I think that's a fair, a fair assessment, almost impossible. Um, here's the reality. Sin separates us from God. Now, it's not as complicated as your list of favorite. It's not as simple as your list of favorite sins. We all have favorite sins. You know, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't run with them that do. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's not that. <laughs> it's not that simple. Um, what, what do I mean by that? Sin is, not, sin is to miss the mark. Um, and if you just think of sin as your favorite list, um, or better, or more commonly, what you see wrong in other people, <laughs> there's a human problem. <laughs> if, if that's how you think of sin, you know, I saw brother so-and-so, I saw sister so you get the idea. It's human. We all do it. We all have that in us. Um, that, if, if that's how you see sin, then you will be blind to the sin within. Uh, you will you will be you'll be hyper vigilant to the sin in others, and you'll be blind to the sin within, because sin is is more than just I chose to do evil. No, that's rebellion. It's more complicated than just sin. Um, sin is to miss the mark. Now that 
what I mentioned before, spiritual rebellion is sin. Uh, even witchcraft is sin. Those are moving along uh, in the kingdoms that war, do you see? But uh, sin is simply to miss the mark. The Spirit moved on you to pray, but you got distracted. Um, the Lord needed you to be sensitive to a person who was hurting, but it was your day that your team was playing. You understand? It's to miss the mark, and so pruning comes. Pruning comes. Uh, sin separates us from God uh, because God... Um, <laughs> We're, it, it'd be really easy to try to uh, go deep here, and I, it'd take too much time for me to do that. So let me kind of uh, back out uh, uh, from the close look, and, and let's, just, let's just be content to say uh, sin separates us, separates us from God. Uh, speaking doubt and unbelief, we don't think of a sin. We think of it, oh, I was just having a bad day. No, that's sin. It literally separates us. Um, for, from God. Uh, also, there, there's, there's another complication here that if you want to look biblically, you have to think in terms not just of sin, but you have to think in terms of dishonor. Um, it's, a, it's slightly different. Um, uh, issues of dishonor will hold us back spiritually. Uh, I, I've seen people who had uh, gifts, spiritual gifts in their life, um, and yet uh, they always seemed to be hindered from it. And I believe, and this is my personal belief, I believe uh, there is a, a type of sin that we would think of as dishonor. Um, and it hinders us. It stops the, the good fruit of God growing in us. It, um, issues of dishonor um, can be quite subtle. Um, the manner in which we talk about other people can, can be an issue of dishonor. Um, the manner in which we view our brother um, the, the manner in which we take justice into our own hands. A lot of times you can make an argument about how it was the right thing to do. And you can quote your, you know, this scripture here and, and that scripture here as though God was talking about them, that you're mad at, the person you're mad at, and not about the Midianites or something like that. You'll take the scripture written about the Midianites and then you'll talk about your brother who did you wrong. Look, this is the way of the flesh. Uh, it, it's, it, the risk is in all of us. But we're talking about going to the next level. Um, there is, there, there's something to be said about keeping ourselves from dishonor. Um, there will be opportunities in your life to get back at someone who has done you wrong. Even A lot of times you'll know someone has been quite clever about it. And you will want to be quite clever back. As a pastor, I have, I have faced this probably as regularly as, as any other temptation where I know, I know someone has, they've been clever in the manner in which they have tried to make me look bad or, or something like that. And it's so tempting for me to be clever back. Now, this is full confession right here. Um, I'm telling you that I can, I, can, I can do it, and I can talk about, oh, we're being careful. But there, there's, there's, it's not just right and wrong. There's issues of dishonor here that we dishonor the call of God. And I think when we fight over things that should be spiritually ignored, uh, there's a risk, not just a risk of sin. There's a risk of dishonor. Um, happening there. Um, so we can, uh, we can, of course, have sin in our life. We can have doubt and unbelief in our life. We can have dishonor 
in our, in our life. We can refuse the discipline of the Lord. All of these, all of these are ways in which we are fighting against God. God's trying to prune us. God's trying to cut back this in our life that is hindering our spiritual effectiveness. And uh, we're fighting him. We are resisting authority. We are, we are resisting uh, the, the, the sonship, shall we say, because that's how the author of the book of Hebrews uh, talks about it. Hebrews 12 and 11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Amen. And again, I say amen. <laughs> uh, in the moment, it is not joyful. It is sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, not everybody's trained by it. Some people are made bitter by it. Some people are made angry by it. Uh, not everyone is trained by discipline. But if you allow discipline in your life to train you, not just to put a chip on your shoulder, afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. The peaceful fruit of righteousness. Not everybody believes righteousness is peaceful fruit. Some people think righteousness is, you know, motivation for war. Um, but the author of the book of Hebrews talks about the peaceful fruit of of righteousness. So we talked, first of all, about dreaming. Second of all, we talked about pruning. And third of all, I want to talk about sowing. Now, what is our subject uh, tonight? Our subject is the same. How are we going to get to the next level spiritually? <clears throat> Last week, we talked about uh, spiritual disciplines, spiritual connections, and spiritual confidence. This week, we're talking about dreaming, we're talking about pruning, and we are talking about sowing. Uh, how do we sow in the issues of the spiritual? <clears throat> the single most important thing <clears throat> about sowing, and this is I deeply believe this, the single most important thing is how you use your words. Uh, your language, your word is so powerful um, that it becomes a type of sowing in, in your life. We have to speak faith. We have to speak good things. We have to speak promise. We have to frame our suffering in a healthy way where God's mission is elevated and God's glory is exalted. Uh, we have to frame our loss in a certain way. We have to guard our tongue because... As the old preacher used to say, it's the little red devil behind the pearly white gates. Um, your tongue is so powerful that it guides your life like a a bit on a bridle guides a horse. That That's not my opinion. That is the Apostle James' opinion. Your tongue is so powerful. It is just like putting a bit in the mouth on a horse and with the pain of the bit, <laughs> the pressure of the bit on the sensitive mouth, and the leverage of the bridle and reins, uh, that horse can be guided anywhere. So it is with our mouths. Uh, sowing is, uh, what we say is the biggest piece of that. <clears throat> now moving down, after that, what we do we sow faith with our actions. <clears throat> we sow goodness by goodness. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he 
also reap. So I'm praying for God to give us the dreams of heaven, not just dreams of the flesh. Those are easy. We want the dreams of heaven. We want the dream to awaken us to who we can be in God. And we want the dream to call us forth out of comfort, out of at ease in Zion and into the kingdom of God, into the fields of God, I should say. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers. Uh, Where's God going to send you? Into the harvest. Where's God going to send you? Into the harvest. So the dreams that God gives us are uh, when we are involved in the mission that reflects the heart of God. Um, I secondly pray that God would have a free reign in our hearts and lives to prune the things that are not of God, that are hindering, that are spiritually killing. Not all of them are choices between good and evil. Some of them are just missing the mark, just missing the mark. Um, we have to take it, receive it, and learn from it, uh, the pruning in our life. And then the third thing is sowing. With your words and with your actions, you plant every day uh, the fields of the Lord, and you grow in those fields the harvest uh, of your word, of your faith, of your actions. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are praying for your help, your anointing. We're praying for your strength as we pursue the next spiritual level. We're asking, Lord Jesus, that you would call us forth out of our spiritual comfort zones and our our spiritual laziness. Give us a dream to perceive your heart in this generation and how you would work and how you would minister that we might manifest your heart, Lord Jesus. I'm praying, oh God, that we as individuals and that we as a church uh, would be impassioned for the work that is before us. We pray today, Lord Jesus, that we would see that which is beyond, uh, that we would have a spiritual dream imparted to us. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would have the strength of, of character to receive the pruning of the Lord. When you correct and when you rebuke, that we would receive it and we would learn from it, not just survive it, but learn from it. And finally, Lord Jesus, uh, send us out to sow in the fields of the Lord. Send us out to, to harvest in the fields of the Lord. Let us be a church of the harvest, we pray, O oh God. Be with your people. Awaken within us the kingdom. Give us the strength to pursue. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We love you. God bless you. Uh, we will see you Sunday. It's going to be a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.